In the next few moments, I'm going to share with you something that I believe is vitally important to us as followers of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask that you would turn to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 will be the the verse that we will address today. But the big idea this morning is that the Holy Spirit empowers us to accomplish the task of evangelism. The Holy Spirit empowers us to accomplish the task of evangelism. And the big question today for you is this. Have you ever felt like you're missing something? Like you're just getting by, but your life lacks something crucial, like something extraordinary. Have you ever felt like that? If so, I've got good news for you today. Somehow we, and when I say we, I'm talking to this morning primarily about the American church, have, have managed to systematically neglect the power of the Holy Spirit. And the sad thing is, is that many people haven't even noticed, not only in our nation, but sometimes even in our own churches. Most still have no idea what they are missing out on. As we have systematically examined over the last nine weeks or so what it means to be a follower of Christ, these have been the themes of the messages. And for those of you that may not have been a part of of catching all of these, you can go to our website and all of our messages are either downloaded or uploaded on iTunes, whichever direction the loading goes, they're there. And you can listen to each of these. But we began this series by talking about follower, being a follower of Jesus Christ talked about followers learn to listen to Jesus. Those who are followers learn to be with Jesus. Those who are followers learn to influence those around them. Those who are followers learn to love. Those who are followers learn to heal. Those who are followers learn to manage their lives. And those who are followers last week, we talked about learn to pray as we begin to focus in on the, the hallowed name of Jesus and who's told us that our Father, we are included in the family of God. And I, I don't know about you, but I enjoyed last Sunday service. Sometimes the Lord ministers to me in ways that you'll never get. Today, as we conclude this series, we're going to talk about followers learn to be empowered and to start this message, we're going to jump to a passage of Scripture that we use at the very first message of this in Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 18. The Scripture says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. There's the only command of the Scripture. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then there's this line, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Lord, I pray that over these next few moments that you will help me encapsulate all of the stuff that you have laid upon my heart and deliver it under the anointing of your Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Within this passage of Scripture, Jesus says to those that were gathered around him at that point, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And as I begin to formulate in my mind exactly all that this meant, I begin to recognize as I stood outside that while we're on this earth and we look into heaven, we recognize that to our knowledge, this is all that God has created, the heavens and the earth and everything in them and on them. And so instantly Jesus wants to relay to his followers that there is no power anywhere that he doesn't have. No authority anywhere that he does not have. 
He says, I have all power of heaven. And as I begin to think about this, it's the power of heaven. It's heaven where the power originates. And he said, I control the origination of the power. And on earth where you live, I control the demonstration of the power. You need to know that when I give you an impossible task, I also have an impossible power that the world cannot stand against that is willing to sustain you to do whatever I've asked you to do. And then he says this at the end of that verse. And surely, and when he says surely, he's not talking about a name. He said, I want you to understand, let there be no doubt. This is solidified in my heart and I need it solidified in your thinking. Absolutely understand this, that I am with you always. And then if that wasn't enough, he said this, even to the end of the age. Now, I know that there are people in the church who live every day in the power of the Spirit. You depend upon Him. You follow Him in every aspect of life. And maybe you're one of those precious few that has it all together. If so, congratulations. I cannot say that I join you because I don't have it all together yet. But one thing I've recognized is that regardless of where you may be in your spiritual development, every one of us has the capacity to grow in the Lord. I was captured by those words as he's drawing us deeper. He's drawing us deeper. He's drawing us deeper. I love how the Lord never lets us stay static, but is always drawing us to something. I also recognize today that when we begin to talk about the supernatural, we begin to talk about the manifestations or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that there are some of you that struggle with the doctrine of the Holy Spirit baptism as a separate experience from salvation. I pray that this morning I'll be able to answer some of those questions as we begin to observe some scriptures. I also know that there are some who have the doctrine of the Holy Spirit Right, but you have missed it practically. You can understand something from Scripture and still not let it be applied to your life. And so today you were looking at this thinking, these are things that I desire of the Lord and I I want to be used of the Lord, but I want you to know until you apply this truth to your life, we can't claim to believe it, at least not with any integrity, until we learn to obey and follow in the Spirit. And one of the things that I would like to accomplish this morning is is not just to think about what the Holy Spirit can do for you, but to look at some very clear, practical ways that the Spirit can work through you to bless the people around you. There is an outline in your bulletin. We may not get to it all today, and that's all right. But I do want you to at least have some place where you can jot down some notes. And the first point this morning is this. Holy Spirit baptism is an elementary experience. Holy Spirit baptism is an elementary experience. There is a passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 6 that lists a cluster of initiatory events that are considered to be basic experiences of the believer and I would like you to turn to that in Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. We're going to learn something this morning here from the word. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. The Word of God says this, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Now, that's a pretty easy statement to understand, right? That there is a place where we begin, and then from that we grow on to maturity. And so, 
the very first line of this verse indicates to us that what is about to be listed for us are things that the Spirit of God wants us to know that are foundational. Elementary, that doesn't mean that we're stupid, it just means that when you go to elementary school, you learn the basics of how to learn going forward. That's what our elementary school kids are learning. And so Jesus places within this bubble of foundational elementary things the following list. He says, here's what I don't want you to have to continue to lay again and again. Not laying again, the foundation, again, that's the basis of everything, the foundation of repentance. In other words, it's not necessary for you to get saved again and again and again and again. For those of you that deal with guilt complexes in your soul and you feel like every other week you got to run, oh Lord, I need you to write my name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. I need you to forgive me of my sins. Now, we're not saying that it's not good for us to constantly repent, but you need to know that there is a security to you as the believer That God is not waiting for you to commit one sin so that he can boot you out of heaven. That there's security for you as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so he's saying, please don't lay this foundation again and again of repentance. And then he says this, another foundational thing, is moving from acts that lead to death. In other words, when you come to Christ, there should be a correlating aspect of your behavior that becomes more Christ-like as you grow up. If you come to Christ and run back to the old ways and do the old things, then I have a reason based on observing the fruits of your life to question the validity of your salvation experience. Jesus said, you know what? When you come to me, foundationally, you will begin to grow in sanctification, which means holiness. Those things lead to death. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God And then he says this, instructions about baptisms. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. And of laying on of hands and the resurrection of dead and eternal judgment. So here's what Jesus said is elementary behavior, elementary learning for any of us that that come to Christ. The salvation experience. Sanctification, growing in the Lord. The aspects of even some of the things about people having hands laid on them and being prayed for them. Educationally, those are foundation things, elementary stuff for us. He talks about baptisms, elementary, educational stuff. And the interesting thing about this is he said, even for us to understand elementary, the foundational aspects of our beliefs is that we're going to be judged someday. I think it's really important for us because some of you are motivated by reward and punishment. Some of you that are parents, you know that some of your kids respond well to saying, if you do this, I'll reward you. Some of your kids respond well to get me the spanking spoon. Understands the difference in our motivations. But we need to understand <clears throat> that we will all day, all of us one day stand before God and be judged to give an account for how we lived. One of the interesting things about this is the fact that the instruction on baptisms is a plural word. Did you notice that? Baptisms is plural. In other words, the early church understood that there were different baptisms that they were to be a part of. They understood that there were three separate baptisms. The first baptism that they understood was baptism into the body of Christ. We consider that to be our salvation experience. When we come to Christ for the very first time, we ask Him to come into our life and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We receive what He has done for us on the cross. We receive Him as our Savior. 
We begin to walk brand new knowing that our salvation has been secured in him. This is a baptism called the baptism into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 13 says this. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. And so the first baptism that the early church understood was the baptism of salvation. Every one of us that knows Jesus Christ were baptized into his body. We understand that. As we go through these three baptisms, let me give you this analogy that may help you as a word picture of understanding. In each one of these three, there is a different baptizer and a different element. So this one, the Spirit is the baptizer in salvation. The Holy Spirit draws you. The Holy Spirit convicts you. The Holy Spirit brings you. And the Holy Spirit is the baptizer. The element into which we are baptized when we get saved is into the body of Jesus Christ. And so the Holy Spirit takes us, baptizes us into his body. So the Spirit's the baptizer, and Jesus is the element into which we're placed. The second baptism that the early church clearly understood was water baptism. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, it said, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Spirit. Now I want you to picture a water baptism service because that's the one that we can most easily see because we've experienced those. In this instance, the agent of the baptism is the minister. And when you're my size, you want Mark and Jeff in the tank with you. So we don't drop you. Then we'd have to dive in and find you and bring you back up. And some of you can't hold your breath that long. So in a water baptism service, the minister is the agent of the baptism. The water is the element. And we know that water baptism is a physical, outward testimony of what took place inwardly we are a picture of dying to our old life our old nature the sinful nature and we are raised in resurrection power as a brand new creature and for those of you that have come to christ in faith but have not been water baptized the bible tells us that that is your next step in obedience to be baptized in water the third baptism that the new testament church would have been clearly understood is the holy spirit baptism i will take that water please Thank you. Thank you. Holy Spirit baptism indicates to us that the operation of the Holy Spirit is separate and distinct from regeneration or separate and distinct from the salvation experience. One can be saved by the and be indwelt by the Holy Spirit and not be baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, we have this passage of Scripture that, that allows us to begin to, to dig into the depths of this. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. Now notice the term. He found disciples. A disciple is one who is already a follower of Jesus Christ. So this indicates to us that the people that he found have already been baptized into the body of Christ. They've already received Christ by faith. He found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, John's baptism was the baptism of repentance. There it is. You see, John's baptism was one leading you into salvation. Are you catching this with me? Understanding the difference in the baptisms? He told the people uh, to believe 
in the one that was coming after him, and that is Jesus. Then Paul placed his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Tongues is the initial physical sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is either directly mentioned or implied in every instance in Acts where the Holy Spirit comes upon people. Which is why we know as the symbol and the sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that one begins to speak in other tongues as it says, as the Spirit gives them utterance. So in this baptism, Christ is the agent of this baptism, but the element that we are being baptized into is the Holy Spirit. Christ baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. Now to understand this a little bit deeper, we need to understand a little bit about the Feast of Pentecost which is a Jewish festival where every age group participates from children to the great-grandparents. And at the Feast of Pentecost, where the term Pentecostal comes from, all of the people would gather together and bring their carts of their goods and the fruits and the things back to the city center. And so from those who were farmers, they would bring carts of, of the produce that they had produced in their field. From those that owned orchards, they would bring fruit from their orchards to come. And uh, from those that were fishermen, they would bring the fresh catch from the sea and they would gather together for this magnificent festival. And they would all come together and there was music and there was dancing and there was celebration. And they presented the fruit of their harvest to the Lord. Now, here's what I want you to see. This festival of Pentecost will never give us a more clear picture of the purpose of Pentecost than this. Pentecost... The baptism in the Holy Spirit is for the purpose of bringing in the harvest. Bringing in the harvest. So when you are seeking to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, the power that God affords you is for the purpose of bringing the lost to Jesus Christ, just like the festival brought the fruit to the Lord. Now, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit is upon us today and is for us today and will enable us to do what God desires to do in us and through us. And so we have this marvelous picture of the elementary things. And one of the things I wanted you to be aware of is this. There are times in our spiritual experience where we think that salvation is enough. Lord, I've come to you in salvation. I now know that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and I'm satisfied with that. I just want to get to heaven. And being saved uh, is enough for you to get to heaven. I want you to know that you don't have to be baptized in water or baptized in the Holy Spirit to be able to go to heaven. Being saved in Jesus. But he said it is finished. He meant it. It's finished. There's no other activity, no other things that you must do to get to heaven. However... We as a Pentecostal church today need to understand that when he said in Joel in a prophecy that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and begin to give some very distinct things that would happen to the young men and to the old men and those who were who knew and the you know how they would see visions and prophesy. I want you to know that we are living in that days of time and in order for us to have a great last days harvest we need to be endued with power through the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that we can walk in a supernatural power that you cannot produce on your own so that the harvest that we bring to God is one that He knows He brought through us. I'm running out of time already.
Who qualifies to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Every individual who has received Jesus as their Savior qualifies to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We have seen over these last several weeks growth take place within our body. I believe part of that corresponds to the fact that we have had a number of Sunday evenings where we have had vibrant prayer times together. In fact, last Sunday night, I told them that this week we would be praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And and, in the last 15 minutes of our prayer time, we just walked around this room. And I want you to know today that the seat that you are sitting in has had somebody lay their hands on it and pray that today, regardless of what's going on in your life, today every seat has been prayed for that the Holy Spirit would begin to seep into your heart and that you would allow God to do something magnificent within you. As we begin to seek the Lord for the gift, the elementary gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that he wants to give to us, I know that for some of you, especially for some of you who have sought and you've sought and you've sought and you've not received and you don't know what's going on, I want you to know something. It requires a level of trust. In water baptism service, well, let me start with salvation. When you felt the Holy Spirit at whatever place you were at, begin to draw you and let you know that you could not live this life on your own, that you needed a Savior, you had to respond by faith. You had to agree with what the Holy Spirit was revealing to you through His ministry of convincing or the convicting power. And in that moment, you either agreed and the Holy Spirit then drew you to Christ where you received what he has done and become a family member, or you said no and you walked out of here unchanged. But it required of you to act in faith and trust that what God has done through Jesus was a reality that he's real, that he loves you, and that he wants to change you so that he can make you qualified to spend eternity with him. And so there was a level of faith that was required as you join him in salvation. Following that, for those of you that have obeyed and been water baptized, there was a level of faith that was required in your water baptism. We have a water baptism tank back here, and it's always interesting to me as we're holding out our hand, helping the candidate walk down the steps into the water, which has previously been warmed, just so you'll know. And they stand there for a moment, and they give their testimony about what Jesus has done, because water baptism is all about him, all about him and what he's done for us. And then whomever the agents are, whether it be myself or others, we ask you to take a hold of your nose with one hand so that water won't come flooding in when you're upside down and grab your arm and we grab you. And then we use the elements or the the, the pattern that is given to us in scriptures. We baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, you have to trust us and you let yourself go. It's hard to baptize somebody who's fighting and doesn't want to go underwater. I have all kinds of stories that I do not have time for today. But in that moment, you simply trust the hands that are behind you, and we lower you. And in that moment, you had to give yourself over in trust. And we baptized you by full immersion, and we bring you back up, symbolizing what God has done. Now, here's the step of faith as it requires to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. When we come to the Lord and we ask to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, we already know that the initial physical sign, the initial evidence, is speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. We've seen that pattern started in Acts chapter 2, verses 
uh, 1 through 4 and then what took place after that. But there comes a moment when you simply have to trust that what Jesus is baptizing you into in the Holy Spirit is not something that is counterfeit. For those of you who have experienced being baptized in the Holy Spirit, the first thought that goes through your mind when you begin to speak in tongues is, this is me. This, this is me. Well, of course it's you. Who else did you think it would sound like? And then the enemy begins to whisper in your ear and say, not only is this you, this is you doing it all. But I want you to know this. Our God is not the kind of God that dangles in front of us things especially as powerful as the gift of the Holy Spirit and then yanks it back and toys with us about that. He deals with us in the reality that what he is going to give us is going to be authentic. It's going to be your heart. It's going to be your mind. It's going to be your will that's going to be submitted to him. And it will be your voice that begins to speak in another tongue. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that before you speak out in tongues, there are moments when you begin to think out in tongues and the door just needs to be opened that what is coming out of me is something that the Spirit has given to me. It's already been in my mind and I'm just going to release it. It's going to sound weird. Just like some of you today may have been the first time that you've ever heard somebody speak in tongues in a corporate setting of church and you were going, what is that? And if you're brand new here, you may have wanted to run out the door. But let me tell you something. When the power of God descends in a supernatural way, there's something about our spirit that responds to that. Even though it may freak us out and it may be something that initially scares you, there's also the aspect of the Lord saying, I so deeply love you that I will interrupt what is natural and have a supernatural demonstration just to reach your heart. I don't want to serve a God that is a natural God. If it was a natural God, I could get by without him. I need a God that will intervene in nature and pour out supernatural power upon his people and heal us need be. Whatever we need, that there's a power of God that supersedes all that is natural within us. We also need a supernatural God to help us be great testimonies. So this morning I give an invitation to you. We are going to pray for those who desire to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to be baptized this morning. And the way that we're going to do this is I'm going to ask our pastors, our deacons, spouses of the deacons, and if my wife is here she can come and join me. And we're going to, we're going to begin to wrap the service up. And then if you have a desire to be filled with this power, I had a whole other section of this message as to what the power does, but I want to leave us plenty of time to pray this morning. This is a good enough conclusion to followers. Followers are empowered. And it's an elementary thought. The Lord says, this is for you. This is something that will help some of you move on to maturity. Now, I do admit when I was reading that scripture and I was sharing it with with Pastor Mark, I'm going to ask our deacons if they would come forward to share it with Pastor Mark. And I said, I, I could spend all day just on this verse alone about what elementary things are. Because some of that seemed pretty mature to me. I mean, he's going, nope, 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 that's just where you start. It's initiatory. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you speak in tongues, it's not that you got it and you're good forever. The speaking in tongues is the sign that you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it simply opens a door for you to walk a spirit-filled life. 
And the Spirit of God will lead us and guide us in all truth. He will lead you and guide you in what to say when you need to say it. There will be moments of time when you may be put on the spot and you're going, I don't know what to do and I don't want to say. And the Spirit said, don't worry about things like that because I will give you what to say in the moment that you need it because supernaturally you have opened a door to allow Him to, to flow through you and work through you for the purpose of bringing in the fruit of the harvest. So I'm going to ask that you would stand with me this morning. If there are any questions that any of you have about this, the doctrinal aspect of it, I want you to know that any of us here are more than happy to sit down with you and talk to you about those things and begin to point out some scriptures because anything that I preach, I need to be able to have a biblical basis for or you should question me. But I am convinced today that there is an empowering awaiting his church today that we are going to desperately need Let me just quickly address this. Some of you are going, I have been in churches where when I came to be prayed for, people tried to shove me down or tried to create an atmosphere that scares me. I want you to know that will not happen here. We will not push you. I will not manipulate the genuine power of God to scare people in any way. Having said that, I have discovered that through the years, people respond in different ways. When the Spirit comes, some people have received the Spirit very quietly, but it was something that the Scripture says in Acts 2.4 was both seen and heard. So obviously, we will be able to hear you speak. The seen part is the aspect of walking in the fruit of the Spirit that everybody can see. I'm going to ask that they just put on some music in the back. I'm not going to have the worship team come. We're not going to try to create a scene or an atmosphere for an emotional explosion because God just said, this is an elementary experience. This is something that when you've come to me, You're water baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've seen people saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit simultaneously. But I'm just going to ask you to examine your hearts this morning. And for those of you that were baptized in the Holy Spirit but have not used your heavenly language in prayer or have not been living an overcoming life, today may be a day when you need to just come and say, Lord, I need to pull up to the tank and have you refill me. Because the more people draw from you, the more you need to be refilled. I... There's a passage of scripture when Jesus was walking in a crowd and a lady who had been sick for a number of years touched him and Jesus stopped and he goes, hey, somebody touched me and the disciples are looking around going, look at the crowd, everybody's bumping children. And he says, no, 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 virtue left me. And as I see that scripture, I begin to understand that that we need the virtue and power of Christ within us because when you are full of the spirit, there will be times when the spirit will use you and virtue will leave you as the Spirit goes and ministers to others' lives, and you need to be refilled with that because if you're running empty, you have nothing to give. And so this is for us, Grace Assembly, this morning. And so I'm going to close in prayer. And if you feel that you must go, then I'm going to invite you to leave. If you today feel like you would like to have people lay hands on you and pray for you, then we will do that and we will believe with you. If you need to be refilled with the power of the Holy Spirit, then we will pray with you for that. But we are going to do this because it is normal. It's a part of growing in the Lord. It's a normal experience, the scripture said. It's elementary. And from there we grow to maturity. So, Father God, I pray that you would have helped me today to explain clearly in a very limited amount of time what you desire to do within us and through us. And, Lord, as we close this service and now begin to open up the altar portion, I ask 
that you would touch each individual that is about to lay hands on people and that you would enable us in some way to be a vessel of the Spirit that when we lay hands on those who are yielding to the Holy Spirit that you will give them the gift of an empowered life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're here this morning and you would like to be prayed for, I'm going to ask that you would just simply step out of your seat and come. And if you feel like you must go, then we dismiss you and ask that you would please talk and speak out in the foyer so that we can maintain an atmosphere of reverence here in the sanctuary. May God bless you. And may He go with you and strengthen you and open doors for you and provide for you. Because He's worth our